But uh, the first part of the series, we started this series basic, and the first part was about who God is and how we ought to respond to him. The first one was uh, fear God. Um, and the, the, the whole idea behind that one was that we, we come before a sovereign and a holy God. And, and when we're standing in front of him, man, we're nothing. Um, we, we can't even stand in, in his presence and, and survive uh, his per- perfection. And so our response is, is this idea of fear him, to acknowledge him for who he is, to recognize his sovereignty and to bow. That was the first one. The second one was following Jesus, that this God not only is one to fear, but he, he then says, you don't have anything to fear. Just follow me, follow Jesus. Um, he loves us enough to allow us to follow him and be with him through Jesus. And so our response is to choose to follow him, to obey, um, to submit, to actually follow Jesus and his teachings. The third thing was the Holy Spirit. That, that we've been, you know, if, if you fear God and you follow Jesus, you've been gifted with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, a spirit of power and truth, a guide who allows us to be the church and fulfill the mission for the church. Okay, so that was the first section, you know, who is God and how should we res- respond? And then we had a couple lessons on um, uh, what it means to be the church, to live out being the church. Um, Acts 2, and it's on your paper, I think, maybe it's not, I might have left this one off. But Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves, the, the, all the Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We started with fellowship. Okay, and fellowship was was this idea of the church being in fellowship, being unified in the spirit, loving and forgiving one another, even when they don't agree, even when there's uh, issues and and conflicts um, to share on a relation, relational level of just consistent and constant love and forgiveness, grace and mercy. Um, That was the whole uh, uh, vision of part of the church is, is fellowship, to have fellowship. Okay, so that, that's one thing of what it means to be the church. The other part we talked about was teaching. Being the church means we devote ourselves to the right teaching. The teaching, gospel-centered teaching, the teaching that pushes and, and pursues Jesus. Okay, and we talked about this both means who we sit under, the teachers that, uh, man, uh, teach us, you know, who we allow to really kind of influence our lives. But as we talked about, there's teachers you have teachers in school. You have teachers in the world on social media. There's teachers everywhere. Every, everything is trying to teach you something. Um, and so one of our responsibilities is to kind of filter what is being taught to us with a gospel lens, with, with a, a gospel-centered uh, filter. And that means as things come in, as you're influenced and as you're taught, you kind of go, mm, I'm going to check this on the Scripture. I'm going to check this on what I've been taught through Scripture. Um, and uh, allow that to kind of guide me in what I believe and what I follow and, and whatnot. So, bring it in. Put your phone up. All right, the, the other side of it was not only who we're being taught by, who we're being influenced by, but also who, we are, who are we teaching? What is our message? What are we putting out there? Um, are we leading others toward Jesus through our words and actions? This all is part of what it means to be the church, fellowship and teaching. And it's this impossible mission to go and reach the whole world, to transform the whole world, to be part of the church and to live like Christ. But the thing is, that mission, we can't do it alone. It's, I mean, it's impossible. It's, we obviously can't do it alone. We must partner with, walk with the Spirit. We must follow the commandments of Jesus and be in this, relational, uh, this relationship with this all-powerful God. Um, 
So today we continue talking about what it means to be the church, for you to live out what it means to be a Christian, to be a believer, to be one that follows Jesus, that is filled with the Spirit, that fears God, to surrender to the Lord. And so our, our topic today is prayer. And it says back in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this has been a big topic for me in, the, in recent days. I've been trying to grow my, my own prayer life. Um, and I'm just learning a lot and just trying to get better at it. But this was something the early church devoted themselves to. Of the top four things, it says, hey, this is what they did. Like, this was their goal. This is what they prioritized. One of it was prayer. Have you ever had a prayer answered? Just think about that answer. Have you ever had a prayer answered um, in a way that, that just blows your mind? That just, like, there, there, there was no way it was anything other than just God. God answered your prayer in such a miraculous way, a specific way. There's no argument that it could have been anything else. And you might be thinking, no. And hold on to that, because we'll come back to that. But when you look at the early church, you saw them devoted to prayer because they were experiencing that. When they would pray, and about so many things that they'd pray, man, they would see results, they would see answers, they would see some miraculous things happen. And, and it makes sense. If, if, it's, if prayer is as powerful as Scripture says it is, then yeah, devote myself, like I'm going to devote myself to it. And, and one of the things is, you know, th- this mission that we've been given back in Matthew 28 where it says go make disciples of all nations, the whole world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit and teach them to observe everything I've commanded to you and remember I'm with you always. That's the command. And like, like a daunting, a very intimidating command for us because we don't have the ability, the capability to be able. To, and remember, Jesus said, go reach the whole world. And he said that 2,000 years ago. It's easy for you to get on some kind of social media site and talk to somebody across the planet. They didn't have that back then. They didn't have phones. They didn't have cars or planes. They, you know, they had chariots and carts and buggies and stuff like that. I think there were still some horses um, there are at least some donkeys. Um, but that was the mission. That was the challenge. That was the call. Reach the world. And the church would, would look at that and, and, and be like, we can't do that without you. You're going to have to do it for us. You're going to have to do it, uh, help us with that. They would talk to God. They would, they would go to him in prayer. And he would sustain them, supply them, and give them everything that they needed to be able to accomplish the mission. And they saw amazing things happen. Man, open the book of Acts, and it's just like one story after the other of just incredible things going on. Um, But it's different. You know, when you look in Scripture, sometimes it seems different. The way that we pray, the things that we experience in prayer, the way that we're taught to pray, compared to how we see some of the disciples experience prayer, it seems a little different. Um, you know, I, I know uh, I've probably taught this and maybe you, you've heard this, um, but uh, when you pray, just go talk to God. How many of y'all have heard that before? Just go talk to God. Prayer is just talking to God. Just go talk to God. And, and we do that. What we do is we go up and we just start rambling. We start talking. 
and, and we just start yapping. But, but the Bible has lots of warnings about prayer. You know, a lot of people will just pray and start saying, God, give me this. I want this. I need help with this. Um, God, I, I want this. And, and, and some of the things that they pray for are very uh, opposed to what Jesus said or God's will or what Scripture says, whatever. But they'll pray it anyways. And that's because sometimes when we're talking about prayer or when we're taught about prayer, we don't talk about the warnings that Scripture gives. Ecclesiastes, I think, is on that page. Um, and I just have the first two verses, but there's several more afterward, afterward that give an even greater warning. But it says, guard your steps when you go before God, the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Don't be hasty to speak. Do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. The encouragement there is to come silently. Come before God and allow him to speak to you, to just listen. Not to just rattle off a list of things you've come up with or just to make up something as you go, but come before God and, and just listen. It goes on and it talks about, and don't make empty promises. Don't make vows you can't keep or you're not going to keep. God, I promise if you do this, I'll stop doing this. It's like, if that were true, you would have stopped already. Um, that's one of the warnings in Scripture. James 4.3 says, You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Sometimes we treat pray, praying like make, making wishes. Oh, God, I wish I would you know, throw a coin in the well and it comes true or something like that or a shooting star. That's how we treat God as this big genie in heaven that will just grant wishes. And, and so we ask for all these selfish, selfish, selfish desires or we ask for personal gain. Or sometimes we ask um, and, and we read this and we're like asking with wrong motives. I don't know if my motives are wrong. It's because we, we're not lined up in God's will. That's what, again why we come and let him speak to us first. Because he will guide us into what we need to ask. But you look at that, and, 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 and people pray like that, but that's not how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Um, the Lord's Prayer, which is uh, kind of in the bottom of your paper, it's spread out. Um, you can see the whole thing, but it's kind of spread out for later. Um, the Lord's Prayer, we're going to talk through that whole thing in a second. But uh, when I was in college, I took a Greek class so I could learn some Greek and study some of the old uh, manuscripts of Scripture and read Greek, whatever. I've held on to like this much of it. It's great. But one of the things that we did is we learned the Lord's Prayer in Greek. And we would learn it, you know, so, so uh, me and some buddies would try to beat each other to it. You know, I'm going to learn it first. I'm going to be able to quote it first. We'd learn a line, and then next week we'd learn another line. And eventually we're able to spout off the Lord's Prayer in a different language, in Greek. But it's one of those things like, you know, no matter how fast I say it or how well I articulate these Greek words and vowels and whatever those things are, um, I didn't know what I was saying. I'm just saying some weird, I think I know what it means or what it translates to, but I'm just spouting something, something random off. And sometimes it's the same in English. We know what it says, but we're just going to say it, but we still have no idea what we're saying. 
It says, therefore, you should pray like this. Jesus taught them. He said, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If we slow down and we just look at that um, and just focus on the first word, our our Father in heaven. All of a sudden, it just transforms how you're praying because I never had thought about prayer being something we're supposed, we're supposed to do together. Our Father in heaven. Jesus didn't say, my Father, this time. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. That we come together as a body of Christ, as a church, as a community, unified, in fellowship, you know, being taught in the right ways and the right directions. And we come together before this holy God whom we should fear, but he says we can follow and he's given us his spirit. Our Father. Verse 11 says, give us today our daily bread. Verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts. Prayer isn't just a solo thing, and we've been taught that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, personal prayer is not bad. We need to do that. But sometimes I think we highlight that so much that, you know, we we, we allow prayer just to become a filler when we're in the sanctuary or or a filler when we're in here. Like, okay, that's just going to be a transition thing. That's how we close the service. But we don't recognize that we're coming together. We're unified in the Spirit, and we're coming before our God, our holy, sovereign God, together. Prayer is part of fellowship, a a gathering, a group coming before God, this connection in community, coming before their Father in heaven. And we're just this little planet in all the cosmos, yet he looks upon us. So we come before him, and then it says, uh, uh, we'll come, we'll come, uh, then it says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Hallowed be your name is another translation of it. And what that means is, God, I, I, I declare, I proclaim your name, who you are, is sacred. And it's a privilege, an honor for me just to be able to speak your name, let alone call you Father. And say that you're, you're my God, our God. Man, may your name be declared holy because you're above everything. And I'm just a speck. It's a privilege to speak your name, to know you as our Father in heaven. Verse 11 talks about, give us today our daily bread. And what that is, is you're just asking for daily provision. You know, you're probably in a place like me where you've never really had to pray something like that because you've had so much for so long in your life. I've never hungered or, or, or been dying of thirst or have ever had to live in the rain and, and the snow and stuff like that by, uh, with, without choice, because you know, I've done it on purpose, but I've never you know, lived without a roof. We take so much for granted. And so, man, how do we come to God and say, God, give, give me my daily provisions. If I already have so much, I'm already comfortable. I'm already set up. And that's kind of one of the things Jesus talks about and tries to teach is like, look, Every day is a gift. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. That's one of the places that I've come to and what I'm dealing with. My 
carcinitis is what I call it, um, is I've prayed God, God heal me. Like there's, I can't think of any excuse why you won't heal me because the doctors can't, so why won't you? And so I can dwell on that and get stuck on it. But, he, but there's so much scripture that supports, you know, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to give you everything you need. And I, you don't need your strength right now. You don't need your energy right now. I have something bigger than that. That's a hard message because I want to be healthy again. That'd be nice. Um, but it's becoming more and more of a reality for me that, man, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So I'm just going to be thankful with today and serve to the best of my ability. Be, be thankful for what God has given me. And, man, I'm going to run. I can't run, but I'm going to trek on one step at a time, praising him, serving him, and do what I, what I can. God, give me enough for today. And the honest thing is, you know, when God gives us enough for today, we, we can respond in anger because we're like, why won't you give me what I need for tomorrow or next week or next year? What about the next 30 years? I want to be set up for life, God. Why are you only giving me enough today? And that's just the wrong response. See, Jesus talked, once again, taught us to recognize every day of a, as a gift. He said, don't worry about tomorrow because t- today has enough worry of its own. You're not going to gain a single hour to your life by worrying about tomorrow, next week, next year. Man, just rest in my uh, uh, sustaining power for, for today. Walk in my grace and my mercy for the moment. And every step, you know, Scripture talks about every step that you take, He'll give you, He'll satisfy you with honey from the rock. There might be a really big rock ahead but he's not going to give you what you need because you need just enough to get over this one. That one's coming, but you got to get there first. Step, step on, check on one step at a time. Ask for just enough to sustain you for today. Lord, give me my daily bread or us our daily bread. Uh, verse 13, I know I'm not going in order. That might bother some of you, but we'll come back to all of them. Verse 13 says, do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. I, I know my answer to this, but what about you? Have, have you ever, you don't have to answer, but uh, have you ever prayed, God, take the temptation away from me. You know, deliver me from this temptation one, from the uh, temptation and the evil one. But you've prayed that while you're still holding on to temptation. Or you've prayed that, but you're not willing to let go. You're not even willing to let go yet of your sin. God, take this away, help me get through this, but you're not even letting go yourself. It's where our words aren't really matching up with our heart. Verse 12, and this is probably one of the scariest ones, it says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven those who have debts against us. Our debtors. That's the scariest one because I know I've prayed this while being angry at others. I've prayed this while I've, I've been unforgiving. But what it is saying is, is man, God forgive me um, the way that I forgive others. That's what it's saying. God, forgive me of my sins the way that I'm forgiving and that I have forgiven. It's kind of scary to think about 
God, when we ask, because what we typically really ask God is, God, forgive me, even though I haven't forgiven him. I'm still holding this grudge. I'm still bitter about this. So God, forgive me in that way. That's not, some, that's not a lot of forgiveness coming our direction. The prayer is that God forgive us in the same way we're forgiving others. See, we need to be warned about our prayers because sometimes they just don't line up at all with the example Jesus gave us. There's another verse, verse 10. It says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is another one we tend to misunderstand. We pray, um, we pray it like we just want God to fix everything. God, your kingdom come. Fix this, fix this, because I know you want perfection. And that's kind of how we pray it. But, but underneath our initial um, desire is, is, is some that just are selfish. And like, God, I, I want you to fix all these situations, but I don't want you to change anything. I don't want to be changed. Do you realize that for his kingdom to come, your kingdom must fall? Your kingdom, what you've built up in your life, must collapse. You must stop serving yourself or any other masters in order to have him as king. Sometimes we don't know what we're saying. When we pray this, we're praying that God come reign in our hearts and reign in our lives, that his kingdom moves in and ours ours is demolished that we surrender to his rules and his ways and that we're going to follow them. It's a heart issue. Are your desires the same as God's desires? And again, more often we pray, my kingdom come, my will be done with all of our requests and demands um, of God to fix this and that. But Jesus says, no, not my will, but yours. John 14, um, it's another verse on that paper. Um, a couple of verses there, it says, Jesus is saying, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. See, when we, when we pray, um, when Jesus taught us to pray, uh, he said to pray in his name. And so at the end of every prayer, what do we do? We end our prayers in Jesus' name, Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And we tack that on like, God, give me this, give me this, give me that, give me that. In Jesus' name, amen. Because you said, whatever I ask for, you'll give it to me. But look at it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God obviously has something bigger for my carcinitis than healing right now. I'm going to trust him with it. Because I know that he's going to do everything to glorify, to, to, to glorify God through him and to build me up closer to him. I'm going to trust that. And I, ever since I started leaning into that, this hasn't gotten better, but this has. My trust in him, my faith in him. Jesus met when you pray in Jesus' name. We're praying for the things that Jesus wanted. We're praying in line with his desires, the things he cared about. It was his mission. It was all about his mission. We have to check ourselves. We've got to ask, am I concerned about the things of God? Because so often when we pray, it's just about ourselves. It's not even about us or him. I've made a lot of mistakes in praying. I, I know uh, sometimes in our services we use prayer as just these transitions or whatever. 
It becomes this convenience rather than a bunch of people coming into the presence of God. But the beautiful thing is that God is a God of grace and he's heard all these prayers in ignorance um, that we've prayed in ignorance and he forgives and he throws out his grace. He throws out his mercy and he says, look, we'll get this. We'll, we'll, We'll get this right, this communication. Just keep coming. Keep walking towards me. Keep growing. But one of the things I get excited about is what if we did pray like this? I mean, imagine this. What if you got together with a group of people and you knew that this group of people, man, they're all, uh, they love God, they fear him, they're they're spirit-filled, and they're trying to live for him the best they can, for his kingdom, for his mission. And imagine if you came collectively with people that you've sacrificed with, that you've sacrificed for. This is a family. You come united. You come in fellowship. You come together and you pray together and you say, Our Father, you've seen our lives. You, You know that we care about your kingdom. We want your kingdom here. We want you to change us we want you to change the people around us can you imagine the power of that unity and the power of that prayer Uh, there's a verse and i didn't include it um it talks about man when, when 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 someone righteous that's in line with god you know the prayer of that person the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect when you have a God-fearing man or woman praying for you or for anything, there's power to it. Because they're not praying their will or your will, they're praying God's will, God's ways, that he's going to be glorified in all of it, regardless of what's going on in the circumstance. Another one on your paper is Second Chronicles um, 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong, for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. See, what the Bible says is God is looking for people like that. God is looking for people that are following him, spirit-filled, God-fearing, and, and, and man, participating in the fellowship teaching and, and pursuing prayer, devoting themselves to prayer. That God wants to show off. God wants to show his strength, his power in those moments of prayer. He's looking for, he's waiting for. That was a verse y'all, I think y'all looked at this week, last week in Zephaniah, that God is waiting. He's, he's, he's like on the edge of his seat just to answer the prayer that lines up with Jesus. He cares about it. He's not just sitting on the side like, ah, I don't have time to answer that email. I'm going to keep doing it. No, that's not how God works. He hears it all. But he's super stoked and excited to answer the prayers that line up with what he tells you with what he shows you to pray for. He's longing to see that, to hear that. He's longing to show off his power. But again, many of us haven't seen that power. Maybe we haven't seen that power because we haven't been praying for the things that he wanted us to pray for. We haven't been praying in line with the Lord's prayer for his will, his ways, his kingdom. See, when we pray like that, when we really mean it, I I really believe that's when we're going to see some amazing things happen, just like the apostles did. They saw miracles. They saw the supernatural. They saw incredible acts of God. And when we see those types of answers to prayer, prayer will no longer be a ritual. Prayer will no longer be this time of transition or a way to end the service or a way just to bless the food. 
No, prayer will become a lifestyle. Prayer will be something we devote ourselves to. It won't be a chore. It'll be something we live for. That's the power of prayer. Oh, oops. Prayer. I forgot to show y'all that. Let me pray for y'all. And what I want y'all to do is, you know, divide up whichever room you want. Um, and they'll guide you through all this, but, but I want you to take some time in the Lord's Prayer if you're willing to do it together. If not, that's okay. But, man, walk through the Lord's Prayer and pray in your own words. Go to Him first. Let Him kind of lay on your heart something like, what's the message you want me to take away, God? Let Him set that on your heart and then pray along those lines because then you are praying His will and His kingdom, not your own. So, Father, God, I just thank you for these students. God, it's a blessing for me to be able to still serve and to love and to uh, speak with them and to share lives with them. God, I just ask that you bless them, that you, you, you guide them in this, this whole idea of prayer, that they might not be discouraged by maybe some of the ways they've prayed in the past, but may they be encouraged by the power that is at, at their disposal in prayer. The access to you that they have in prayer, may they have that encouragement and excitement for it. And God, over in the next few moments, will you just, man, give them the courage to pray, give them the patience to listen, and give them to the discernment and guidance to know what to pray for. God, just thank you for these students. I love them. You love them. May they feel that love. And it's in your powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.